It's time for the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Let's get to it. Live once again in the city of brotherly love, none other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, broadcasting from and hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. Yes, you heard right. You tune yourself into another episode of the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev. Good evening, Philadelphia, Bucks County, Montgomery County, Delco, and Southwest New Jersey. But folks, we do not stop there. We are entering eardrums anywhere that you have access to the internet. Stream us live every Friday at 6 p.m. EST on WWDBAM.com. We are glad to be Back in the studio, it has been several weeks since both of us have been here, hasn't it? Yeah, we haven't. We've been back and forth, one person here, one person not, because we're busy people out here doing a lot of good work. So it's nice to be back today, talking about it in the studio with B Dog, our man producing, with E Boogie in the house, with Scotty P. We're really excited to you know get this show going. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. It's a good thing to be able to do, and I, I love. It's a good problem to have that we are busy doing the actual work that we want to do, mental health wise, um, helping people out. I love it, but it's also really fun to get to talk to people and help them out in this way as well. So Scott, what are we going to be talking about with these fine individuals today? Yeah, so we got a little bit of a different topic here. As you know, with our show, we love to just really touch a lot of different avenues. Uh, anything pertaining to mental health or self-help in any way, you could guarantee that your boys, Scotty P and Ev, are going to be on the case with it. So today, what we kind of came up with was as follows. You know, a lot of talk about finding your identity in your life and finding out who you are and defining yourself by certain moments and certain things that have happened. But one of the things that's really interesting that we have noted is that, you know, mental health really plays into that identity identity, because sometimes there's a little bit two ways we could go about it. People will either solely identify themselves as a mental health issue and think they're nothing more than that. Or sometimes people will be afraid to identify that issue in their lives and completely run away from it and refuse to acknowledge it whatsoever, therefore leading them down a road where they're not able to get that help that they need. So we're going to be talking about both and how there's pros and cons like anything, but also how we want to make sure that we can kind of work through that, move through that, learn to identify when necessary, but also not allow it to become who we are solely as a person. Yeah, it's super important. And just as a teaser, I definitely would say I lean more towards that second option and just an unwillingness to identify with it at all. And that's its own unique problem. And we certainly don't want to be doing that. But the extremes on either side really do cause their own issues, their own unique issues. And we got to find that fine balance. We are not our mental health issues, just like we are not cancer or an autoimmune disease, right? This is something that we're currently dealing with and we're experiencing, and that's fine. But what do we do to kind of move past that? That's not Evan Transu. Evan Transu is not depression. Scotty P is not a panic attack. That sounds ridiculous, you know, but yet, Almost by definition, that is what some people are doing. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to me. I feel like this happens more with mental health. But as someone who is in the med medical space, like in a, in a sense, functional medicine space, I have found this with all types of severe things. This does actually happen with cancer. This does happen with an autoimmune disease. I said it the opposite way before because I feel like those that haven't dealt with that stuff would say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't identify with my cancer. But the truth is it kind of becomes this whole thing. And I found too with social media or whatever, and listen, I'm by obviously we're on social media doing these things, right? Sure. This is one of the places we advertise the show. I'm not saying I'm perfect with it, but I think social media does promote this idea of complete identification 
with our conditions that we might have. And I think it is great to be able to share things without being judged. This is certainly not a place of condescension. I am coming at, or a condemnation, I should say. I'm coming at this from a place of, all right, it's, we're really not helping ourselves. I think we're actually not coming from a place of empowerment when we just, oh, I have, I am depression. This is what it is. Or I have this, and this is this ultimatum that could not be further from the truth. I think I'm one of the best examples of that. I'm never saying my story is perfect for everyone, but you know, my story, like I, mean, I dealt with this stuff for 13, 14 years. And because yeah. of my unique solution that thank God worked for me, I have, it's not like I deal with a panic attack every now and then mm. I just don't deal with them. I haven't had that in six years. I haven't right. dealt with legitimate depression in six years. I have bad days. Sure. But that stuff doesn't happen so i feel like we're really self-limiting if we're just identifying with one thing or another and saying like well you know i am this this is just what it is well how are you ever supposed to get better if you're doing something like that you know that's so true and we talk about this a lot in this show and it's something that is so true is like what we think to ourselves and how we feel and the words that we say is really going to have a huge impact on our lives i mean a lot of times people think that if you just say something off-putting about yourself or say these different things to yourself or identify as something that it just goes away it just magically gets sucked up in a cloud and is gone but what we don't understand and what or what some of us understand and what we need to work on more is understanding that our brain and the way that it works is like this stuff doesn't just go away and every time that you're saying one of those negative thoughts or every time you're identifying as only anxiety or only depression and that's who you are and nothing else you're really kind of building a neural pathway and that takes time of course but the more that you build that repetition of that negative response and that constant condemnation as ever was saying of yourself and identifying as that over time it's going to be very difficult to get out of that spot so we want to make sure that we're acknowledging we always talk about this on the show it is so important to acknowledge you cannot go anywhere with your mental health if you don't first acknowledge it mm -hmm. but then also learning to you know realize it's not all of who you are you know it's not just me it's not i am not scott prendergast a kid with depression i am somebody who has dealt with depression it is a part of my life but as i've said before just because something's a part of me that doesn't mean that it defines me and i think understanding that is a really important thing that we have to know and and going off of what i've said with social media too here it's interesting because a lot of times we've got to a point where now people are willing to talk about this stuff which is amazing because for years nobody wanted to but now we start to dip into uh, the downsides of that too, which becomes people saying, well, I had anxiety and it looked like this and yours doesn't, so you must be wrong and you don't know what it's like for me and I am anxiety and you are not. Insert whatever the mental health issue is, put it in there, right? That's a problem too because A, everybody's case is different. These things don't manifest in the exact same way in every different person. They're all totally unique depending upon the person's circumstances and situations. A lot of times the symptoms are the same and there are similar aspects, but how it affects each individual is totally different. So that's unproductive as well as is doing that. So we've got to find this balance. That's what we're always looking for in life, right? It's a balance, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, it's one or the other. It's both. And understanding, hey, look, we've got to acknowledge these things. We're identifying it, but we're not letting it become our identity. And one of the things I'm going to talk about later in the show, and I'll end with this as I flip back to Evan real quick here, is... How do we, we have to learn how to distinguish the difference between our identity and our mentality. And what I mean by that is we have to understand that who we are a lot of times is sometimes different than the mentality that we have. But the mentality that we have is going to play a big impact on who we think that we are.
Now, I'm going to dive into that later. I'm just giving a little teaser, planting a seed. We're going to talk about that more, but I think that's something that's really important. That was a good run. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking when you were talking about the identity stuff, how many people I see online, and again, guys, this, there's no judgment here whatsoever. It's the opposite. Sure. It's wanting people to just, because I'm talking, I mean, heck, I'm on the opposite end. We will talk about that plenty in part two, sure. about how not identifying this stuff at all is so detrimental to us, and I was in that boat. But I see so many people online walking around and saying, oh, you know, well, I couldn't do this because I have depression or I yeah. can't do that because I have anxiety. And that might be a legitimate response in that exact moment, especially depending on where they're at in their treatment. I fully get that. But more often than not, I'm seeing people that have been dealing with that same stuff for three, four, five, six, seven years, and they become stagnant in the progress. And it's something I've been using in schools this year, because I, for those that don't know, I mean, I'm talking about mental health stuff in a more motivational way to ask for help. I'm not really mentioning the functional medicine side, which I do allude to even on this show. I'm very into that. And I try to figure out how can I indirectly plant the seed of functional medicine without boring kids on a lecture of like diet and nutrition and stuff, right? So I figured, I'm like, well, what did I actually do conceptually? I kept trying different things and that eventually led me down that road. Mm -hmm. So I keep saying to these kids, I'm like, hey, if you got strep throat, because all of us can relate to that, we've all had that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and and the kids get it because they've all had that. I'm like, if you got strep throat, and you know you took the medication the antibiotics you got 50 percent better when you were done what would you do not one person in that audience would say oh yeah i just have strep throat for the rest of my life I, you know i deal with strep throat so i have sorry i can't eat food because i deal with strep throat it hurts so bad <laughs> no you would go back to the doctor you'd keep trying different things now remember having strep throat might be a legitimate reason that you can't eat a steak at the moment but you're working on that strep throat I think when we identify with these mental health issues for indefinite periods of time, we are just as silly, (laughs) with all due respect, as someone who has gotten 50% better off their antibiotics for the strep throat and is not trying anything anymore. Oh, well, you know, I can just never eat normal again because I have strep throat. Well, that's not true. There's other treatments out there. There's other things to try. Why don't you keep giving those a try? So I know that's kind of connecting two different ideas, but I just felt pulled to share that thing with the um, identifying part because I feel like the strep throat thing seems to be landing really well with people. They really get that. They're like, Oh, yeah. So, how, Scott, I mean, let's be honest. How many people do you know? You know, they've only gotten like 10% better ever. And they, they did the right thing. They asked right. for help. They talked about it. They get 10% better, and that's it. I'm like, well, there's a lot more for you out there, probably than 10%, yeah. my friends. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we will be right back after these quick commercial breaks, and we'll start talking about which um, kind of side we each fall on and how we can deal with those things. Hey, everyone. Eric Katz here, the owner of Cats, Dogs, Canine. Are you working from home and need to get your dog out running around for the day? Will you be traveling this summer and looking for a place to board your pup? Is your dog looking a little shaggy and need a haircut or bath? Are you looking forward to walking around and enjoying this beautiful weather, but you can't because your dog's pulling like a freight train? Well, you're in luck. We're a one-stop shop that focuses on daycare, boarding, grooming, and training. We're located at 35 Middle Road, Percocy, PA on 10 beautiful acres. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Cats Dogs Canine or our website, catsdogscanine.com. Our phone number is 855-CATS-DOG, 855-528-9364. What's going on, everyone? This is Scott Prendergast here, a.k.a. Scotty P. And a lot of you know me from the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with Scotty P and Ev as one of your hosts. But real quick, I want to talk to you about my business. It's called Scotty P Inspiration. And what I am is I'm an inspirational speaker, and I want to help others navigate life through the lens of hope. Now, I do this through speaking engagements, but also one-on-one life coaching. So if you're interested in booking me or doing some of that coaching, let me know. Check me out at www.scottypinspiration.com or check out my Instagram at scottyp underscore inspo. 
If you're a parent who wants to understand the mental health challenges your child faces, then my book, My Perfect Life, How Depression Almost Ended It and How I Found Purpose Through Pain is for you. Through goofy, relatable stories, you'll see the world from the eyes of someone silently battling depression. Most importantly, you'll learn how we can find hope and purpose through pain. Get your copy of My Perfect Life today, available on Amazon by searching Lucas Wolf, My Perfect Life, and that's Wolf with an E. Hey folks, what's going on? It's Evan Transu, aka Ev here. I just wanted to shout out my friends at FDN Thrive. Part of my story with mental health is that I was actually able to get a hold of a lot of my mental and physical health issues by addressing what was going on in my body. So I do mean more of a natural slash functional medicine side. Is this going to be for everyone? Absolutely not. But if you're someone like me who suffered for years and maybe a lot of the conventional things didn't work out, you might want to consider what is going on in your body and see if that is playing any role. So if you want to focus on something more objective, get some lab results and actually have these lab results analyzed by practitioners who are trained in this specific modality, then go to fdnthrive.com and click the get started here button. That's fdn Thrive.com and click the get started here button. And we are back. Welcome to the Friday Mental Health Power Hour with your hosts, Scotty P and Ev, where we are talking all things mental health all the time. Today's topic is all about like identity and mental health and how sometimes we identify with our mental health issues, which is not always a great thing. And other times we completely ignore it. I totally don't know anyone like that, like myself. <laughs> um, and we're not identifying it at all, which is also a problem. So by the way, my name is Evan Transu, aka Ev, and I am a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. And what's going on, everybody? This is Scott Prendergast, aka Scott. Scotty P, and I'm a professional inspirational speaker who helps others navigate life through the lens of hope. <laughs> All right, well, Scott, I feel like I got to start this one because I may have, I hope I didn't rustle any feathers um, in the last episode <laughs> or last uh, segment, I'm sorry, talking about, hey, we really shouldn't identify with this stuff completely. And this is why it's kind of a bad thing. So I'll call myself out. We'll start with the opposite <laughs> end. All right. Um, and just, well, just out of curiosity, before I even get into that, which, which do you resonate with more? Do you think you had any of those problems or were you kind of always in the middle with it mm, i definitely think for me i was kind of in the middle and i pl i had both instances on both sides where okay. i refused to acknowledge it and then times where i acknowledged it too much to where i was just simply identifying as it got it i would say i sat very strongly in the boat of like not acknowledging at all um i didn't it's a kind of funny trying to look back and connect the dots i was like I had to know at some point that what I was dealing with, even at 1415, was mental health related, but I didn't do anything about this. Right. And I think that's where the opposite end becomes a problem. When we're so embarrassed or ashamed of this stuff that we're not talking to anyone about it, or we'd rather suffer in silence using drugs like I was to cope with these things than talk to a best friend, to talk to a girlfriend, my mom or dad. I had a bunch of people who cared. I can't say I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even saying that's true for everyone. Unfortunately, I, I think it's less often than not. But I do think there's some people out there that maybe the family strained, they were in foster homes or whatever. Maybe they are in a rough situation where they do feel that no one in their immediate circle cares. And I apologize if that's the case for you. That's right. terrible, right? I, I would imagine for the vast majority of us, we kind of have at least one or two people that do really yeah. care, but we got to open up to them about that stuff. And then what I always say, and this is the problem, and it's so hard to get in people's heads and really plant this in, 
this stuff is going to come out one way or another. So mm, you can keep yes, trying sir. to, yeah, you can keep trying to play that game of, oh, I'm never going to act like I have these mental health issues. It is going to come out with torn relationships. It's going to come out probably with drugs. It's going to come out with mental health crises. You give that enough, enough time, I promise it's going to come out. Now, if you're 95 years old, you just started dealing with this stuff and maybe you only have a few months left anyway. Okay. You might be able to get away with that. But I would assume the most of our audience between, you know, 20, 50 years old, now you probably got some time left, my friends. That's going to show another way. So I did that myself. It was just toxic to myself and everyone around me. I would never recommend that one. And I think, I mean, maybe that doesn't require too much more explanation, but to me, that's straightforward. When we're not even identifying the stuff, we cannot get help. We are going, I promise you, you are going to affect the people around you in some way or another. And that's not really fair to them. And no matter how bad you're hurting the other people, you're always hurting yourself even worse. That's what's really sad about it. So I, I wouldn't recommend that one, but I'd love to hear kind of your experience with it, especially I didn't know that you felt that you had been in both sides of that. So I'm curious how that was for you. Sure. So for me, for years, I didn't want to ever possibly admit that depression was something or anxiety that I ever could would, could possibly deal with. I figured that's for other people. That'll never happen to Scott. I know what it is, but I'm not going to let that happen to me. That was my idea for sure. But for years, I nevertheless saw so many symptoms of severe anxiety and depression in my life, but I kept sweeping it under the rug, sweeping it under the rug. And what happens the more you sweep yourself off under the rug? Does it go away? No. Eventually, it builds up a pile and you end up tripping over it, right? So that's essentially what started to happen with me. And what I have found, too, in not only my experience, but a lot of the experiences with those that I talk to people about is that... When people are struggling here, we can be really good actors. We've all got a little Leonardo DiCaprio in us where we can really be a good actor and act like everything's okay, like we're good. We'll do the opposite of how we feel to trick people. But here's the thing, and if you're a listener and you're trying to think, how can I identify if someone's struggling right now and how can I help them, here's something to look for. It may not be in their face. It may not be with what they say. But there will be signs that come out more of with what they do and how they act towards certain situations. That's what you want to pay attention for sometimes because somebody may have the brightest smile, they may laugh the loudest, they may get all the A's, all the good stuff in class, but there will be certain things that that person might do in which you can see, hey, something's going on here. There is a problem here. And I think what we have to become better at too is learning to identify that ourselves. Now, for me personally, I was pretty bad at that for a while, admittedly. I would see myself act a certain way. I would see these symptoms that I knew it was a problem. And A, like I talked about before, I didn't want to acknowledge, didn't want to think that it could be me. But B, I would make up any excuse that it could be anything else besides that because I was afraid about what would happen if Scott decided that he was going to say he had depression or had severe anxiety. Because if I said that, I thought it would be a whole slew of all these other things coming into my life and all these other problems. So, spoiler alert, there wasn't any of those problems. I had so many people that supported me and supported my life. So I wish if I could go back in time, I would have opened up about it sooner. But I don't believe in regrets because it all worked out for a reason. It always does. But one of the things to kind of wrap that up in a bow real quick that I want to say is as follows. I think a lot of times what we see in ourselves and also other people is that you'll see that just raw pain, right? You could see it in some people's eyes. You could see it in the way that they talk. You could see it in what they write sometimes. And a lot of times people are holding that pain that they have felt in their life for whatever the reason is, the trauma, and they're holding it against the world with a closed fist. Look what you did to me. Look what this world has done to me. Look what depression did to me. Look what anxiety did to me, right? And we're so angry about it because we're insecure, because we're insecure with how we're feeling, because we think that if we admit that we have something going on, that this world is going to toss us aside, that they're going to think that we're we're not capable of doing anything good. So we let that anger out as a defense mechanism, 
to really just cover up that insecurity that we have towards these issues. And that's something I've seen a lot in people I work with. And looking back on it, admittedly, I saw it myself too because I didn't want to identify it. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to think. I'm, you get me thinking because I'm like, why didn't I want to identify this? Right. Like, yeah. I actually, I, it's hard to remember sometimes. And I think it's because I didn't necessarily have the education around mental health at all. Like, I don't know that I was correlating this as anxiety or depression as these medical conditions because I had other medical conditions, you know, a lot of physical health stuff, as I told you about before. I had no problem talking about those. I almost think some of the reasons maybe we don't want to identify it is because we don't even know what it is. Like, I used the word crazy for years Mm. because to me, and oh my gosh, all my friends, especially you who have dealt with a panic attack, you can understand this. If you haven't had a panic attack explained to you from a legitimate medical perspective, and you walk around randomly, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. It lasts for 20 minutes, basically, and then it goes away. Yes, that's, I can understand, even still to this day, very biasly, of course, because I went through it. But I can understand why I called that crazy. Mm -hmm. Because to me, what else is it? How? Why else would I just randomly feel like I'm going to die? And this happens all the time. It tricks me every time. It doesn't matter how many days it's happened in a row. I still believe that this is the one that's going to kill me. That seemed crazy to me. So I think those that are on the spectrum or the side of the spectrum where they don't want to identify this stuff. I wonder if it's like a two part thing, like for you, it's what is the implication of identifying with anxiety and depression for those like me? And I'm sure I had some of that too, eventually, but for those like me, it's also, I don't even know what those things are. And I'm thinking that I'm identifying with something that's not fixable. That's going to outcast me from society. It's not even mental health. It's just crazy. Um, And I hate to use that word. I know it's not politically correct. I'm not a politically correct person normally, but I think that's what a lot of people with mental health issues go through. They're very confusing. If you're dealing with some of the more extreme stuff too, um, you know, uh, mood disorders or personality disorders or whatever, bipolar, schizophrenia. Yeah. You can really have some symptoms that might look quite strange compared to the average person who doesn't deal with this stuff. I, get why we're saying that so i can see why we don't want to identify with it but we have to remember at the end of the day they're legitimate medical conditions um mental health as a whole is one of the most common mental health conditions that you or sorry conditions that you could have even more common than most physical stuff if i'm not mistaken depression is the number one cause of disability it is yeah so is that correct yeah Yeah. and i think that's worldwide so we have to remember these are legitimate things there's no reason to not identify with them at all because of that it's when we take it to the extreme and that's what i wanted to i appreciate you letting me go with that but i wanted to throw that back at you because you had said that you felt that you were at both sides at one Mm -hmm. point and i don't think i've ever heard that part of your story where you would have felt as if you were over-identifying with this stuff. So how did that happen? Was this shortly after you kind of, I don't want to say came out, but like you started talking about this stuff with your family? Yeah, so once I started really talking about it, I'm the type of person who I like to soak up. I'm like a sponge, a ton of information. So I started doing all this research on depression and anxiety because I saw that's what was in my life. And I became very inquisitive and I became very knowledgeable about it. Now, what started to happen with me, though, is I was looking too far into it. Every single little detail that happened during the day down to if I... I slept on my left side or slept on my right side. Literally, I was saying, oh, no, no, this is depression. Oh, no. Now, this is a sign that my depression is turning into this now. And it's actually a sign that my anxiety is getting worse. And uh, and I would just tie myself up in knots with every single thing that I did because I thought everything that I did all the time, no matter what, 24-7 was this depression or anxiety, which it wasn't, obviously. And so for me, I was, you know, it wasn't too long that I was like that where I realized, okay, you know what? You can be open about this stuff and not obsess over it like I was doing. But I learned a lot in that time. And I learned a lot about what mental health is and also what it's not. And knowing that it is a huge part of our life, but it is not all of our life. And there are other things that go into the way that we behave and act as well. Even though depression and anxiety and other mental health issues can be a big time catalyst that 
that triggers a lot of that stuff and makes it go, not always is it every single time the reason for that. So one of the things that I want to jump on that about is, and we told you at the beginning of the show, we talk about not identifying at all. Now we're talking about identifying too much. So a lot of the things I'm sure if you could talk about this as well, that I see with a lot of people that I speak with is as particularly it's in teens, um, usually high school, you'll see that they're, they're taking the first step. They're talking about their mental health. They're open about it. And it is so great to see because we were for so long, couldn't do that. But now it's, well, I can't do anything about it because I have depression or, well, I have anxiety. So I, you know, I, I'll never be able to go to college or oh, I can't hang out with those people. I can't go to a party. I can't have fun. I'm never going to be anything. Well, I have anxiety. What can I do? I can't do anything about it. And it's like we're getting stuck mm-hmm. and people are taking that first step. Woohoo! It's like you're on a rock climbing wall. You take one, you grab one, you're like, yeehaw, let's go. And then you never pull the other arm up to grab the other rock. And you're standing there with one arm on it saying, hey, well, look, at least I grabbed this one, right? Look at me. I grabbed one rock. Bro, you got to get your other arm up there and you grab the other rock so you can start moving forward, right? And that's what we see a lot is the first step is talking about it, but the next is learning to work through it in a healthy way and realizing that, look, by just going out here and saying, I can't do X, Y, Z because I have depression, anxiety, bipolar is not going to help anybody. It's not helping you and it's not helping other people that are hearing that because that's how we're viewing something that is very serious and we're using it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. And we do not want to do that because then it takes away from people who are actually trying to help and people who really need to you know, talk these things through. It's a classic example of too much of a good thing because it comes from, well, it's like what you're talking about. Like it kind of just got taken to the extreme right. because what this started with is an acceptance and an awareness around mental health. That is good. That's not a bad thing. I want that a lot. But now there is, and God bless them, man. They're good people. It's never like bad people doing this, but it's gone so far that we are so afraid to offend, upset, possibly provide any level of discomfort to anyone who deals Mm -hmm. with this stuff. And remember, please, that this is coming from two people who suffered for years with this. Exactly. More of my time on this earth than not so far has been with mental health issues. That is a fact, okay? So I'm I'm preaching to the choir. Like I'm talking from someone who's actually been through this. We can have sympathy, respect, and not try to, you know, cause extra discomfort for people while still also telling them, hey, like, we got to do something about this. I don't care if you're moving half a percent forward every single day. That is fine with me. But this idea that this is this roadblock permanently, I'm never going to be able to get past this. This is who I am. This is what it is. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think that's actually terrible to tell people. It's actually really bad because especially like what you're saying, I can't go to college because I have anxiety. Wow. How many opportunities, and I didn't go to college, but for many people, that's a great thing. How many opportunities are going to be lost or friends that could have been made from not going to something like college? I know for myself, I hated flying. I had a phobic level fear of flying. And yes, was that one of the last things that I conquered? I don't even know if conquered is the word, because I still am not a fan of flying. That's for sure. I'd rather be doing something else. I'd always rather be on the ground. That's for sure. But I do it. I fly frequently. I fly actually kind of all the time now for work and things like that. But if I had just said, because at one point this was true, so I could, maybe I did identify it with it on the other end more than I realized. Mm-hmm. Because at one point to me, I could not fly. It was so bad. It was so extreme that I had planned to never fly again for the rest of my life. And in fact, there was a 12, 13 year period where I would not get on a plane despite ample opportunity to do so with family, with friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, sorry, I, I can't do that. I have this. And I think I justified that by saying, well, you know, we're not really supposed to be 30,000 feet above the ground. And perhaps that's true, right? That might that might be true. I think of all the anxieties out there, that's probably a very legitimate one because we're doing something that's not even natural. I, I get that. However, however, by having that mindset, I stopped looking for solutions to the problem. 
when I started getting, it's actually really funny. I'm, I won't mention it on here, but a similar thing that Scott and I work for and do, it was the first invite that I got for that that involved a plane. I drove and I told him that I was in the area that week and I wasn't in the area. Wait, you drove to that? Years and years and years oh, okay. ago. Yeah, no, okay. no, no, this was years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, it was the first one I got. It was like a few months after starting with them. And I said, hey, I'm going to be up in that area this weekend. This is Massachusetts, man. And I'm like, I'll be up in the area, so don't even worry about it. I don't need the ticket. I drove all the way up to do that and drove back. Wow. And after that, I said, I'm never doing this again. That's ridiculous. I'm figuring this out. And within two months, I was already on a plane. With some of my best friends, Vince and Carly, shout out to them. They literally called me up because they knew I was distressed about this and I wanted to fix this. They bought me a plane ticket with them. Three, So three people going to Boston from Philadelphia, which is like, a what, 40 minutes in the air? Yeah, it's like, very it's short. Yeah, yeah and our be uh, one of our best friends, Pat, lived up there. We, they planned it all out. We flew up there one night. I met up with Pat. We stayed over at his place. First thing the next morning, we flew back. So I mm. got two flying experiences for the first time, 12, 13 years, um, that were really easy flights, super smooth. It was a joke. It wasn't bad at all, okay? Yeah. And it was mind-blowing to me. I remember being up at Elevation. I, I couldn't comprehend that Evan Trantu was on a plane. This is how scary this was to me. Man. But guess what? You know, once I started looking for those solutions again and I had that motivation – Guess what? It worked out. And yes, is a plane perfect for me? No, I'm still working on that. But I've flown at least, I mean, at least 30 times in the last three years, probably more. And that's kind of with the pandemic and stuff slowing us down, you know? Yeah. So I'm flying all the time now. That has enriched my life so much. It's brought so many awesome opportunities. Me and my girlfriend were long distance at one point. Could you imagine if I met her online? And I said, yeah, babe, we're cool. I just got to drive the 40 hours across to you, you know? Bruh. That's, um... <laughs> I'm not too good with women. I'm going to guess that's not particularly attractive. Then. <laughs> you know, um, so I don't want to go off too much on that, but maybe I did identify with this in a way more than I even realized. And that man, that was, that was terrible. That was not helping me at all. That's for sure. Yeah. And one of the, my favorite things that you just said there was you, you talked about stop looking for solutions. And I think that is so, so incredibly noteworthy, you know, get that tattooed on your face worthy. You know, when you stop looking for solutions, I mean, come on, how can you ever expect to move past any type of challenge in your life in any way? You're, it's just not going to happen, right? But I feel like people are more inclined to do that. People are willing to say, hey, I'm going to just focus on this diagnosis and not look for solutions because maybe it's a little uncomfortable to look for solutions. And that brings me to another point here is that, look, and I don't have to say that. We all know this, but it's it's worth saying. Uncomfortable situations, that's what leads to change. When we're uncomfortable, that's when we learn to grow. I mean, the seed analogy here, real quick for you all. Imagine if you're a seed and you get planted in the ground. What's the first thing that happens? A, uh, it's dark, it's wet, it's uncomfortable, and bro, you can't see anything. All right, so I can't imagine that's too comfortable. Then what happens to the seed? It begins to crack. It comes apart so that it can grow roots. Can you imagine if you're sitting in this seed and all of a sudden your body starts cracking and going in all these different directions and new stuff starts coming out of you? That's super, super uncomfortable. Then what happens next? Those roots grow deeper and deeper, but what are they doing? They're getting stronger. They're getting stronger through that pain. And then you start to see the sprout come up on the outside. That was a painful process for the seed to become what it was meant to be, but it couldn't get to that unless it cracked and came apart and went through that uncomfortable time and situation. So here's a PSA for anybody out there who needs to hear this. Life is going to be uncomfortable. Lean into it. Don't shy away from it because when you lean into that process, that's where you find out so many good things about yourself. That's how you find the right solutions for what you need to work on with your mental health. If we're just sitting here on the mountaintop saying, I have depression and we're not doing anything about it, bro, like I don't even know what to say. You're not going to help yourself at all. That is step one. 
That is step one, and we know that step one is probably the most important thing, right? So that is great, but we've got to follow that up and continue to look for solutions. And really, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to this real quick. It comes for looking for validation on the inside rather than looking for everyone else to validate your pain and your experiences. Because a lot of times what we see that happen, and I talk in depth with certain people about this stuff, with some of the stuff I do with my business, is people are saying, well, I went through this type of pain, but I feel like that nobody thinks it was really a big deal. And I feel like it doesn't measure up to other people's pain. So instead, I feel like I have to kind of like ask everybody if that was really okay. And then maybe if they think that it was really painful, that that'll mean that I could tell myself that it was painful and then I can move on. Mm. We see that a lot where instead we have to know, look, what caused your pain happened to you. It was painful because it happened to you. Who cares what Tim, Tom, Jimmy and Jane say? It happened to you. It was painful. We're acknowledging it. The validation is there. Now let's move through it. Now let's take something good from it. I love what you just said at the end there. I've still to this day, in a sense, struggled with that because especially the farther away we get from these experiences, now it's been eight, nine years since the worst of this. And it's been really good for the most part since then. Like, I mean, most of the time, pretty good. So I'm thankful for that. And you sometimes forget like how bad it was. And it's kind of funny because we share our stories a lot publicly, obviously, and it becomes almost routine, not fully, but almost routine. And sometimes I like hear it back because I'll practice speaking. I want to know, okay, how did the speech go? What did it look like? How did I do it? And I'm listening back. I'm like, damn, that was some real stuff. (laughs) You know, that's a lot, man. Like, and, and that's what happens. And it's kind of funny because going back to your first point, this is where it's tough. The whole seed analogy we do need those things. Those experiences in life are fantastic. Anyone that you find that's at the top, and I do not mean financially, although it could include that. It's not limited to that. Anyone that has the best relationships, the most happiness, the best family, right? They have been through experiences and stuff that led them to that. It was not a cakewalk up there. I promise you, promise you, promise you that. And this is what's funny. The funny part about it is that when kids ask me like, well, would you change this now with how everything worked out? I have to say, even though I'm encouraging them to ask for help, right? And do all this stuff. I'm like, well, no, but I'm thinking in the back of my head. I'm like, well, you missed the part where, yes, there's like hard work that applies and I get that and all that stuff, but you're also gambling with your life. Cause there's also times where like, Hey, could have died when I did that one thing or right. drove in the car blacked out. So no, would I change it now? Nah, because I can, I can see the dots, but you missed the point where there's a hundred other people that that doesn't work out so well. So we want to embrace the pain. We want to embrace the challenges while also doing the proper things at the same time. No one ask, is asking you to be um, masochistic here. You got to just take everything that comes to you. That's a little ridiculous and too far extreme. <laughs> uh, what we are saying though is accept those challenges, do that stuff, but also keep pushing forward. And yeah, don't, I got to say it one more time in the segment before it's over. Just don't identify with this stuff i think actually i don't really mean to call these people out they might hate me after the show <laughs> but i think it just furthers the stigma and it's ironic it because those exact people are the ones usually that want to get rid of the stigma so do i so does scott we we're all for that and what i mean by that is this because actually hear me out when you do this the way that you're promoting the stigma there's probably multiple ways but the ways that's come into my head is if someone again had cancer we always try to say you know, oh, well, this is the same as cancer. You know, if someone had something like that, you would take it just as seriously. I I don't mean that it's literally the same always. I'm just saying we would take it as seriously. We would treat it as a real condition. Well, guess what? You would never say, ah, I have cancer. I'm not doing anything about that now. I can't do anything because I have cancer. That person, I've never met anyone that's had that condition that was not trying different things until the day either they figured it out or unfortunately they did pass. And that's a sad outcome. But of course they were trying the whole time. With this whole identification thing of I can't do that because I have depression or anxiety, you are literally promoting the stigma by saying, well, I'm not going to try anything. I'm just done. This is unfixable or, or there's no progress to be made. I don't believe that. I'm progressing every single day of my life. So I'm pretty sure that you could still progress a little bit on your anxiety and depression or that, whatever it is. 
It's so true. It really is. I mean, one of the things that just came to mind that popped into my head as everyone was talking was I feel like we have a choice when it comes to our mental health in this sense. We don't have, always have a choice when it happens because sometimes these things are chemical imbalance in the brain. We have no say in it. It's genetic. It just happens. But once we acknowledge it and identify it, we have a choice. We can either use that mental health issue and we can use it as a crutch. And we can say every problem I have in my life is because of this. Or we can use that mental health issue and use it as a catalyst. And what I mean by that as a catalyst, for those of you that don't know, it's something that gets things started. That could be the first thing that you do to finally work on self-care. That could be the first, you could use your mental health issue as a way for you to get closer with your family, to start a new relationship, to start a new job. You can use the issues and problems that you're dealing with with that as a way to go to that next level in your life that maybe you didn't think that you could do. So really, I want you as the listener, as we get ready to wrap this up before our last segment here, I want you to ask yourself something. I want you to be 642% honest with yourself. I want you to look at your life. And first identify if there is a mental health issue going on. If not, that's totally fine. But at any point, if there is, and I want you to ask yourself, am I viewing this mental health issue? Am I using this as a crutch in my life or am I using it as a catalyst? And now be honest with yourself. And whatever their answer is, there's no right answer to it. It's okay even if you're saying use it as a crutch, but become aware of it. And when you become aware of it, that's when you're going to take that first step towards learning to work through it instead of continuing to lean on it. Okay, so I hope that's something that everybody can take away from this little part here is is be honest with yourself. Ask yourself that question and just open up your mind a little bit, because we know when you open your mind to new ideas, that's when you, you know, you create new ideas of your own and you find some of that creativity comes about. So. And something I wanted to share with you all before we go to break. Hey, folks, we will be right back after these quick commercial breaks. And this is when we'll start talking about the plus side and some solutions and tactics to this stuff so that you don't hate me for hating on people that identify with this stuff. I'm kidding. I love you guys. We'll be right back. Find Yourself Boxes was to create to foster the connection between a person and those in life who may be working through mental health challenges by providing curated and customizable boxes filled with research-backed wellness products that promote healing. Coupling personal experience with professional mental health guidance, Find Yourself Boxes meets people where they are on their journey. Wellness doesn't look the same for every person, and these products are packaged together to touch various aspects of our wellness spectrum. Find your healing with Find Yourself Boxes at findyourselfboxes.com, and you can get 20% off your first purchase. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Are people stopping and staring and glancing at you as you walk down the street? Folks, come on now. Hair salons, they've been open for a while. It's time to get your hair cut. You've definitely been procrastinating. (laughs) I know my producer has. And when you do it, you should head to Hair Envisions in Ottsville, PA. Hair Envisions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and also offer carotene treatments that give your hair a smooth finish. Hair Envisions offers haircuts for all ages so you can bring the whole family. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. Again, that is 610-847-8894. And tell them that Scotty P and Health Coach Ev sent you. If you're looking to get more TMS, ketamine, and Spravato patients, then 7-Figure Psych is for you. Beyond Marketing's flagship 7-Figure Psych business development and marketing system helps mental health professionals to attract, schedule, and convert new patients into care. Join a community of like-minded business professionals and automate your entire online presence. Visit these guys at 7figurepsych.com. That's the number 7, figurepsych.com. Guys, cancer is a word that most of us know all too well. And as is the case for so many other conditions, Western medicine is a miraculous yet incomplete form of treatment for those who are suffering. 
But what if there was a place in our community that helped meet the many other needs for cancer patients? Well, that's exactly what my aunt, Corinne Sakura envisioned. And now you can help make that vision come to life. The Corinne Sakura Wellness and Support Center is designed to be a comforting space for all cancer patients across Bucks County. This center will help these individuals meet their emotional, social, physical, and lifestyle needs that are essential pieces of one's healing journey. Because of people like you, this center will be able to offer a multitude of completely free services to local patients and their families. A large vision like this needs all the support, support it can get, and you can help today. Go to CorinneSecoraCenter.org and click the donate button. That is C-O-R-I-N-N-E-S-I-K-O-R-A, CorinneSecoraCenter.org, and click the donate button. And we are back. Welcome to the Friday Mental Health Power Hour, where we are talking all things mental health all the time with your host, Scotty PNF. I think I did that a little backwards, but that's okay. Uh, today's topic is identifying with our mental health issues and how not identifying them at all is bad, but also over-identifying with them can be troublesome as well. And all of us, including myself, including Scotty, took an absolute beating in part two because we're just calling everyone out for the things that we've done. But part three is our favorite part, and it's where we're actually talking about solutions, uh, tactics that we have, tricks, tips, all that good stuff. By the way, my name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Ev, and I am a professional speaker in the youth mental health space. And what's going on, everyone? My name is Scott Prendergast, a.k.a. Scotty P, and I'm a professional inspirational speaker who helps others navigate life through the lens of hope. All right, my friend. Well, I started off last time. Do you have any great tips for these listeners? out there about what we can do with this identification stuff. Absolutely. we got a lot that we could dive into in this third part. This is our favorite part. So I hope everybody's got a pen and pad and you're ready to take some notes. Let's go. Yee. So I talked about earlier, I planted a seed in the first part where I said, we have to learn how to distinguish the difference between identity and mentality. Now, what I mean by this is that when we identify as something, a lot of times that means we kind of take every single part of our life and say all of who I am and everything about me boils down to this one word or one thing, whatever it is. For instance, for me, for years, I identified as a basketball player and I thought I was nothing more than just Scott, the kid as a basketball player. As I got older, I identified just as Scott, a kid with depression, right? We could see how that's a problem. So here's the difference though. The difference between identity and mentality starts with this. It starts with understanding, look, mentality is something that is going to impact our identity. And if we have the right mentality, we're going to see our identity kind of shift a little bit. Now, here are some tips and tricks on how to, you know, get your mentality in the right space so that you can acknowledge what's going on in your life. You can acknowledge the difficulties if you're struggling with a mental health issue, but you can learn how to really move through that instead of saying that's all of who you are because it's not and it's just part of you. So one of the things that I think is really important when it comes to changing your mentality about that is learning to ask yourself, you know, really the right questions by saying, okay, so here's an example. If I am depression, that's nothing more. I'm just Scott and I'm depression. Asking yourself this. So does depression, all I think about 24, seven, 365, every day, every second, every hour of the day, is that true? The answer to that question is inevitably always going to be no. I don't care who you are. Okay. So that right there is an example of how you could tell yourself, look, I am not completely depression because if I was that's all I'd be thinking about every single second and there would be nothing else in my life that I could ever possibly focus on besides that okay very extreme example but nevertheless can help you to really take a step back and say wait a minute look my mentality doesn't have to be consumed by this so I'm gonna take you know a couple steps back and regroup 
So I think it is really important for us to do. And when you start to learn that difference and you start to ask yourself those right questions, those rational questions, that's when we can start to break down some of the barriers that are holding us back, whether that be not acknowledging our mental health at all and not identifying it with it all or over identifying it with it. Because as we talked about, both can be equally as damaging. Yeah, I think I hope I don't sound like a broken record, because if you listen regularly, then you know how big I am on talking about this stuff. But I guess I got to talk about mine first. And (laughs) I'm so glad we're not on video today. Scott and I just did the biweekly. It's kind of a religious thing that we do, um, or it happens religiously is what I mean, where one of our seats fall. Typically, it's me. I feel like it's more. (laughs) It hasn't been me in a while. Yeah, I haven't gotten that down yet. So, all right, we're back up. (laughs) Well, as much as we're going to be for the show, I'm just going to keep going. My goodness. So in terms of identifying this stuff, that's, you know, I I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is simple. It's just not easy. If you're out there not talking about the stuff at all or thinking that you're less than or you're weak or something or crazy, I mean, at the worst for having mental health issues, that's crazy. That thought process is crazy. You're not crazy for having mental health issues, but you're crazy if you think that, you know, because that doesn't make sense we have to equate this stuff to physical health we're promoting the stigma by not doing that and acting like this is some terrible thing right so that one i think is a little again i don't want to use the word easy because it's definitely not easy to overcome that but it is simple i knew what i needed to do and i just had to do it i was having starting to have these conversations at 18 uh with a counselor that i was that was assigned to me a doctor i'm realizing wow like i have depression that is why this doctor just prescribed me an ssri i have been offered xanax that is because i have legitimate anxiety disorders right this is a real thing that happens to me and that's okay that's just a thing like anything else i'm going to work on that when it comes to the over identifying stuff and just, hey, this is my whole life, whatever. You guys know uh, Scott and I are both really into self-help, so I'm connecting something here. And this is going back to something I alluded to already in part two, but this is a more tangible step. There's a, um, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, really famous. And you're like, well, that's a money finance book. What does that have to do with mental health? Well, it's the concept. Mm-hmm. So Robert Kiyosaki in the book talks about how his you know, poor dad. And he didn't mean this so literally. He just meant his real dad that wasn't able to ever accumulate wealth or was always working super hard and never able to figure it out. Kind of basically said, Hey, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. I can't you know, do this. Whereas his rich dad, who was actually his friend's dad, who taught him a lot about wealth said, never, ever, ever say you can't afford it. Ask, how can I afford it? Mm. And this is not just some self-help, you know, super positive BS. You have to actually think about why that was being said to this kid. When it doesn't mean automatically just because you change the question in your head that you can afford a Lamborghini or a $10 million house. That's not the point. But the point is you guaranteed that you were never going to get those things or whatever your object of desire is at the time. When you say, oh, I just can't afford it, you stop the thought process that could lead you to figuring out how you could get, again, that object or thing or whatever that you desire. That's why we ask, how can I afford it? So when we just say, I have depression, I can't do that. You have shut down your God-given gift of this mind, this creative faculties that go on in there. That is, man, that is such an amazing thing, right? And you don't have to be, I'm not particularly religious myself, you don't have to be. The Bible, uh, self-help books, all these texts, motivational speakers talk about the imagination and what we can do with our mind. Inventors have talked about this, many, many famous people. We shut that down when we stop asking the right questions. Oh, yeah, well, we can't. I have depression. That's that. Okay, cool. Well, you are absolutely right. You will have depression then for the rest of your life probably, and you will not be able to do those things you said you couldn't do for the rest of your life. Whereas if we just changed a little bit, just like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, not 
I can't afford it, but how can I afford it? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? Right now, literally, yes, I cannot buy the Lamborghini. <laughs> right now, maybe I can't get on a plane because I am freaking out scared. Yeah. But there has to be someone else that was in my position financially that afforded the Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. There has to be someone else that was in my position that was terrified of planes and eventually figured it out. I wonder how they did it. How could I make the steps to get on a plane? Could I try a flight simulator? Can I go to psychotherapy? Am I yeah. even going to psychotherapy for that? And it's actually really uncomfortable. And I think people don't want to ask these questions, whether it's, I mean, finances might even be more uncomfortable for a lot of people, whether it's the finances, mental health, physical health, relationships, whatever it is. The reason we don't want to ask those questions is not because we think it doesn't work. It's because when we ask those questions, I think what we start realizing is there is such an abundance of answers or different things that we could try that we're like, oh my gosh, I've kind of been sitting here on a pity potty for no reason. And then it's just easier to go right back to that. You know, there is a lot of ways to make extra money. There is a lot of ways to overcome depression and anxiety. There is no way i would bet every dollar that i have or will ever make that anyone that has listened to this has tried every therapy out there for depression or anxiety or whatever condition they might deal with there's no way so that's good news that's not bad news that's good news right that means there's still plenty of things to try so i hope that really just brings that point home and i know again it's kind of weird to make an analogy about finances to mental health but it's the concept of changing the way that you think asking the right questions so that you can find those solutions because your mind you could be the smartest person in the damn world if you shut off it uh, shut off that smart mind by asking the wrong questions. You'll never find the solution. So true. I love that we're talking about asking the right questions because if a newsflash, if anyone ever goes to therapy, you know what they're going to do? They're going to challenge the thoughts that you have and they're going to teach you to ask the right questions. That's what we're all about here. So speaking of, here's a quick little tip for you that you can use. Let's say you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're deathly afraid of having anxiety or depression saying, oh no, what if I were to have anxiety? I would lose everything. What if I had anxiety? And you have all these what ifs circling around in your head and it's driving you absolutely bonkers, right? Let's flip that around. Instead of saying, what if I have anxiety, let's change it. And let's say, even if I have anxiety, okay? And here's the next part. So we change it from what if to even if, and then we list the things that'll still be a constant in our lives. I will still have my family. I will still have my friends, my job. Insert whatever it is for you, but list off those things. And you know what you just did there? You took your first step towards validation, and you took your first step towards hope, which is going to lead to getting help okay so flip that around you could do that right now in your car dog come on you could do it anytime what if i have this what if i have that we're stopping we're saying even if and then we're putting those things that are going to be constants in our lives those things that will still be there and that takes away some of that kind of pressure takes away some of that uncertainty with it so that's a really good strategy that i hope everyone could take from that and to go off of that i got another quick strategy for you i got a lot of stuff on this you can check out my website for more but Here's one of the things that I think is so important. As Ev knows, because we talk about this a lot, I'm huge on affirmations. I think it is a huge thing. I think it is something that can really do a lot of good work for you if you're willing to put in the time and do it correctly. Now, one of the things that I think is great is asking yourself questions about your identity. All right. Now, when we're talking about identifying as depression or anxiety, we could see how there's a lot of negative connotation that comes with that. Listen to the show here. What we talked about today, you'll see that. But when you're saying, okay, what is my identity? Who am I as a person? Try asking yourself these three questions, okay? And this will give you your identity. Number one, what makes me unique, okay? Ask yourself that question. That gets the juices flowing about the things you like about yourself. Question two, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do with my life? That gets more of the juices flowing, helping you to think about what you enjoy doing, those good feelings that come along with that. So that's number two. And then number three, perhaps the most important, is as followed. 
What is holding me back? What is that? Get the answer to all three of those questions. You get that stuff together. And all of a sudden, you're one step closer to finding out what your true identity is instead of letting anxiety, bipolar, depression, or OCD hijack your identity and act like it's theirs when it's not. Okay, so ask yourself those questions. What makes me unique? What am I passionate about? What is holding me back? That's how you find who your identity is and not relying on a mental health issue to, you know, kind of take the place of what should be actually you. I love how in those questions that you had at the end with figuring out your identity, not once did you say, where am I from? What's my job? Whatever, right? Any of that stuff. Because I think that's another trap and it's a little off topic, but not overall. I've done that myself and I I didn't think it was a bad thing. That's where it can really trick us. I think that people that are identifying, over-identifying, I should say, with their mental health issues, why would they think it's bad? They wouldn't do it if they thought it was bad, but it is a trap because then the thing is, your ego's now attached to this. When I've attached my ego in the past, even to speaking, like I will say I'm a speaker, but you know what the truth is? No, I'm not. I'm Evan Transu, and one of the activities that I choose to do on a regular basis is speaking. And if that's taken away for whatever reason, which it was during in the beginning of the pandemic, that really got me. And that's, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world because you did ask like, what are you passionate about? And I am passionate about this. And it really affected one of my outlets to pursue my passion. But I do think there was an over-identification with my careers and stuff like that. I'm still working on this, but at least I can identify that problem now. But you are not any of those things. Those are great questions for identifying your actual identity. Who is Evan Transu? Who is Scott Prendergast? Our jobs are not our identity. Those are things that we do. And we have to remember because most of, I would assume everyone listening to this is from America. Okay, so we have the ability to do these jobs or have these corporate types of businesses, whatever, we realize how stupid it is, or I did at least, to say, oh, I'm a speaker, I'm this or that, I'm a radio show host, whatever. The minute that you realize I would still be Evan Transu even if I was born into like extreme poverty in an underdeveloped, um, like what's the first example? Like somewhere like Somalia, I think they're the only legitimate anarchy still on this earth. That's a bad place to grow up from my understanding, guys. You're, you're having a rough time there, right? I'm still Evan Transu there though. I could still have the same values, the same passions without all the stuff as I would be in the US. That's how you know it's the identity. If it can't be taken away, no matter where you are or where you're stuck at, that's who you are. Nelson Mandela was still Nelson Mandela when he was in prison for 20 plus years or whatever it was, as he was when he was the president of South Africa. Nelson Mandela is still him. It's not the title, it's not the job, it's not any of that stuff. And again, I don't wanna go off on a tangent because I understand that that's not directly related to what we're talking to about today, but I think it's a lot more similar than you realize. And we can get caught in those traps. And I know I did. I said, all right, well, I'm not going to identify with the mental health issues. That's great. I'm going to identify with being a speaker for the mental health issues instead. That's a problem in and of itself. And hey, I um, we're kind of wrapping up here really quick. So if you don't know and you listen for the for, uh, you're listening for the first time, we always start with Eb and we finish with Scotty P. He brings you up for the weekend, Easter weekend. Happy Easter if you celebrate. Um, but even if you don't, you need a positive message, something to get your mind right. And Scott is going to finish us up with that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ev. So everybody, this was a really cool episode we talked about today. We talked about some pretty polarizing things. We talked about over-identifying with mental health and also under-identifying with it as well. And whether you find yourself on whichever side of the spectrum that might be, or if you've dealt with both, what's important to understand is that whichever spot you're in right now, it doesn't have to be your future. That might be your present 
bro, that might even be your past, but it doesn't have to be your future. And what we have to understand is that there are things that we can do to learn to find out what our identity is and who we are and really, really hone in on that rather than relying on a mental health issue to say that's all of who we are. When in fact, it's not. It's only part of us. Okay. So one of the things Evan said that I love is that, look, the things on the inside can't be taken away from you. Those things that can't be taken away, that's who you truly are. And I want you, the listener, to take some time today. Focus and write down and meditate and whatever it is for you to take time to really get what those things on the inside about you are and understand what they are and really focus on that throughout the day and help working towards gaining a mentality that's centered around those things on the inside rather than all these external things or labels slapped on you or what somebody should have said or didn't say or what have might have could have possibly been no let's let that wash away and let's take those inner things and really work on finding an identity for ourselves based off of that if we do that my friends it doesn't matter if you have a severe case of depression, anxiety, whatever, you will still know who you are. And I guarantee that you will be able to work through that and realize that that is but one brick in the many that makes you up and that your life and who you are doesn't have to be identified by a mental health issue. But at the same time, by identifying it is the first step to finding peace as well. So either end of the spectrum, whichever side you're on applies to both of us. So I want to thank you all so much again. I really appreciate it. We're just going to tell you where we could find us real quick. So for me, you can check me out on scottypinspiration.com or on Instagram at scottyp underscore inspo. So Ev, what about you? Where can they find you? I am on evantransu.com or at evan underscore transu on Instagram. All right, everybody. Well, hey, we appreciate it so much. Thanks for being an incredible audience as you always are. We get some great feedback from the show and we hope that this is something that you could start your weekend with on a positive note and then you can realize, hey, look, you know what? Maybe I'm dealing with some things right now. Maybe it's time to identify that I am struggling with a mental health issue or maybe it's time to realize, you know what? I've been identifying too much with it. Let me find out who I truly am. Whichever side you're on, I hope that you could take something good from this today. Hope you understood it and hope that you feel better because of it. So thank you so much, everyone. We appreciate it. Take care.